When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, everybody, we're coming to your town, so you better get ready, put on your best duds, and come out and see us. But first, buy some tickets. That's right. Uh, We are finishing up. These are the last shows of our 2023 tour. We're going to be in Orlando, Florida on August 12th, Mm -hmm. Nashville, Tennessee on September 6th, and wind it all up here in Atlanta on September 9th. Yes, and you can get all the info you need and links to tickets, which are on sale now, at our website, StuffYouShouldKnow.com, on our tour page, or you can go to Linktree slash S-Y-S-K. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast, good buddy. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's here too, so that makes this a root-tuning episode of Stuff You Should Know. Uh, was there anything more thrilling as a child, being on the highway and getting that trucker to pull that horn chain? Yeah, it was very thrilling. You felt <laughs> drunk with power, didn't you? Sort of. And as a kid, it was it was like, wow, like they, they paid attention to me, sort of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and um, the the only time I ever tried that though, the um, trucker flipped me off. No, really? No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> I totally bought that. That would be a Josh Clark childhood story, <laughs> though, for sure. It it fit. Yeah, for sure. So uh, is that it? Is that all you wanted to talk about with truckers? Yeah, I mean, I know I don't know if this came uh, specifically from a specific trucker as an idea, but I know that we've gotten a few emails here and there mm-hmm. from long haul and, and regional short haul truckers that say they listen to us and, uh, you know, that they're out there and they'd love to hear something about it. So to that, we say 10, four, 10, four good buddies. Yeah. Um, apparently stuff you should know is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the trucking industry in the history of the <laughs> trucking industry, oh, yeah? as far as the truckers who listen to us are concerned. So hello out there, everybody. Driving trucks, listening to us. We appreciate you. In fact, we appreciate you so much for doing a whole episode on your industry. Um, And it's one of those things, Chuck, that, I mean, you drive alongside truckers. You tell them to get the heck out of the middle lane. Um, Uh You you see them unloading shipments and just doing their thing. They're just a part of life. But it's definitely one of those things that if, if it goes wrong it becomes apparent very quickly because truckers and trucking is the way that America runs, not just America, we're talking Eurasia, basically the whole world yeah. runs on commercial trucking. That's how stuff gets moved around. Yes, we move stuff by sea. That's true. We move stuff by rail. 
that's true too. We even fly stuff somewhere sure. once in a while. But for the most part, the vast majority of stuff that goes from a factory to a store in in most countries, it's it's carried by trucks. Yeah, I think uh, the Grabster helped us with this. And I think he found a stat that said that long haul trucking carries about 70% uh, by weight of everything that we ship in the United States. Yeah, 11 billion tons of freight in a year. I saw that... Um, maybe about $600 billion. That's how much the industry makes. Uh, gross, of course. Um, but the, the I think the key here is that trucking has created the, the world that we live in today. Mm-hmm. Like the grocery store, as you know it today, you can thank trucking for that. Sure. Big box stores, for better or worse, thank trucking for that. Um, they, they've allowed it, like as trucking has advanced, it's allowed... Um, the United States economy to advance as well. And it's just created all sorts of new things that you probably couldn't have predicted along the way. Yeah. And that's why, uh, even though it can be frustrating, mm-hmm. you should try and be very patient and understanding when that semi-truck uh, gets over in the left lane to pass somebody, and which they have to do sometimes, and mm-hmm. they find themselves all of a sudden going on a long uphill stretch. Right. And they just don't have the engine power to go as fast as you want to go. Uh, I used to get pretty mm, frustrated with that stuff, but I try to understand now. They didn't mean to do that. They don't want to be on that uphill stuck in that left lane. Uh-huh. And they're trying to get you your dumb uh, package or oranges or whatever. <laughs> I, I have respect for truckers in, in the trucking industry, but um, I think being asked to be patient about that is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we should probably go back in time some uh, to the early 1900s, specifically the 1910s, mm-hmm. uh, when what we think of as the modern um, tractor trailer was uh, basically invented by uh, a guy from Detroit named uh, August uh, Fruhauf. Something tells me he's German. <laughs> I think so. Uh, and he built a trailer to move lumber around, called it a semi-trailer. Oh, and yeah? Then, you don't call it a semi? Well, I, uh, a semi-trailer? Mm-hmm. I call it a semi. You call it a semi? No, I call it a semi, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Was I just a uh, gas lead? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a tad. Okay. Uh, and then about a year after that, uh, he licensed this fifth-wheel design, which mm-hmm. is uh, which was kind of changed everything. It made a, a, a uniform method for very quickly and easily attaching a trailer to a truck. And uh, back then, it was called the fifth wheel because I looked up old pictures of these things. It looked like a wagon wheel. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks a lot different now, but that was where it got its name. Yeah, if you've ever seen a naked semi driving along without a trailer, there's a big round steel plate on the back, and that's the fifth wheel. And like you said, I mean, it revolutionized everything because it allowed trailers to be swapped out very quickly and also, uh, it came up. It might come up again later. It it underscores the whole point of everything is that all you need now is the tractor, the semi, the truck, mm-hmm. and you can interchange that with all variety and manner of different trailers. You can pull all sorts of different things. So because it's modular and and um, swappable, and you can collect all fifty. Um, right. <laughs> that it, that also allowed that the whole industry to grow too, just in that one little invention. 
Yeah, and do I understand this correctly that uh, uh, a tractor trailer is the name of, you know, the front part and the back part, and it's called a semi-truck and a semi-trailer because it's, like, part of that? Like, semi-literally? That's my understanding. All right, if we got that wrong, I'm going to feel really dumb, but I think that's the deal, and like you said, now people will generally just call them semis a lot of times, like a mm-hmm. shorthand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, you know, there's been a lot of developments um, since that fifth wheel yeah. to come along to make these sort of the go-to. Uh, the first big one was just, you know, uh, air tires rather than rubber wrapped around a, a steel wheel. Right. That was a big deal. Uh, and then refrigerated trucks, mm-hmm. uh, which came along in the 1930s, courtesy of a, a very uh, successful and prolific uh, inventor, uh, an African-American Army veteran uh, named Fred Jones who developed uh, the refrigerated truck. And prior to this, it was like, how much ice can we fit in there kind of thing. Yeah, they would um, take like barrels of brine along, I guess, to lower the melting point for the Mm -hmm. the ice. And that stuff would just drip out of it and onto the truck, and it would rust the truck quickly. Um, Even if you did have a very successful run, it was a very short run. All that stuff was, any, any perishable stuff was very local like if you fish. bought something yeah fish <laughs> especially they did not have fish in georgia at the time probably uh, not. Sp- certainly not saltwater fish but if you bought something like at the store that was produce it was probably grown within 20 miles of where you were probably even closer than that in large part because they just couldn't ship it further than that and then if you have a truck breakdown you're in big trouble because that whole shipment was just just a, a wash yeah i mean if you ate uh, like a swordfish steak in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the 1960s, you're lucky to be alive. Yeah, exactly. Actually, not the 60s. I should have said the... The 1860s. Let me try, let me try that again. If you ate swordfish in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the 1920s, you're lucky to be alive. You're lucky to be alive anyway if you were alive then. I think Swordfish in Tulsa is a great album name. Oh, Yes. I can see a guy with a pencil-thin mustache <laughs> okay. seated at a table, an intimate little table with a candle. He's wearing an ascot and sunglasses, uh-huh. even though it's indoors. Yeah, and yeah. he's uh, toasting you, the viewer <laughs> of the album cover. Oh, man. Aaron Cooper, get busy. <laughs> <laughs> so it, um, I guess what we're trying to say here is that it's really difficult to overstate the impact that the refrigerated trailer had on not just the trucking industry, but just the economy and the way that we consume food now. Yeah. And, you know, um, truck farming started a couple of decades before, which was the idea that you could now put fruits and vegetables on trucks that didn't necessarily mean uh, need to be refrigerated. It does not mean growing trucks from seed. Right. <laughs> uh, that started a while before, which meant all of a sudden um, farming went, you know, regional and then national. But then, you know, a couple of less than a couple of decades later, when these reefer trucks is what they're called came along, mm-hmm. uh, then you could have cold goods shipped more easily. And then basically everything was on the table as far as getting it from here to there. Right. And that's another example. Like a, you can you can haul a, a dry load in a regular trailer one day and the next day you could be hauling a reefer truck thanks to that fifth wheel, like I was saying earlier. Yeah. Another big one, huge, huge change, not just in trucking, but in shipping and in the global economy in general, was when the um, standardized shipping container came along. We have to do an episode on that. I can't believe we haven't yet. 
Yeah, um, we should. The closest we came to was the uh, the floaty, friendly floaties, the rubber ducks that went overboard once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the closest we came. But So when the shipping <laughs> container, container became standardized, that meant that when you shipped something, uh, it, you packed it and sent it off, and it was lifted on a crane to a ship. It was lifted off the ship by another crane on the other end onto a tractor trailer, and then it was just taken straight to the store. No one needed to touch it after you packed it, which mm-hmm. really cut down on theft, damage, that kind of stuff. Um, it also put the longshoreman profession essentially out of business forever. Um, but it also um, uh, it allowed trucking to expand, I guess, in, in kind. Starting around the 70s, I think, is when they really caught on. Aren't there still longshoremen? No? Not or according they, to the wire. Are, uh <laughs> Oh, I thought they were, they just like, now they just managed the loading and unloading of containers. Yes, of the container. So, yes, there are still longshoremen. There's there's still Steve Doors, but they, the number of them sure. has yeah, been yeah, cut. Of course. It, I mean, decimated times nine. All right. I was just imagining a longshoreman working right now, listening to this, going, what? I don't oh. exist. And he just pops oh, right crap. out of existence because <laughs> he stopped believing. Uh, another big thing that uh, made trucking possible, obviously, was the Federal Highway Act. Uh, I'm sorry, Federal Highway Aid Act of uh, 1956, which, you know, we've talked about it before, created the highway system. Uh, very big boon. And then getting rid of way stations. Yeah. It, it didn't increase trucking, but it really ramped up efficiency uh, because back in the day, uh, every state had their own weight restrictions for uh, trucks or, you know, they weren't literally all different, but they all had their own. And you had to stop at uh, every state line at a way station and sometimes sit in a long line and get weighed and you could be delayed hours and hours. Uh, they might shame you for your yeah, weight. <laughs> well, if, if you were overweight, like mm-hmm. you would, they'd say, sorry, you got to pull over there probably and, and we'll handle this. And but, vomit. Uh, the surface... Uh, Surface Transportation Act, uh, well, I guess in the 50s, they made it, uh, they, they had a federal limit imposed, but states could still have their own uh, individual limits if they, if they wanted to. They were allowed to keep those. Uh, and it wasn't until 1982 with the Surface Transportation Assistance Act uh, that they made it completely uniform. There were still way stations, because I remember them when I was a kid. Uh, it wasn't until the 90s that they got... Um, that they became smart essentially when they got these uh, weight in motion scales mm-hmm. and radio frequency ID mm-hmm. transponders and truckers didn't even you know they didn't have to stop anymore. I was alive for that too that transition and I it took me a while to catch on. I didn't understand what had happened. Right. I, I thought that they'd just done away with <laughs> I, I weighing altogether. No, I didn't. I had no idea until like yesterday. But that was like a familiar scene from when we were young. Just trucks lined yeah. up at the weigh station, you yeah. know, just idling and releasing tons of greenhouse gas into the air, and you'd just sure. drive past and make that pull-down motion, and they'd just be like, leave us alone. This is not the place for that. I know. I'm trying to come down off of an eight-hour cocaine binge. <laughs> right. <laughs> so one of the other things, though, um, be, in addition to RFIDs, is like that's a really good example of how um, just technological trucking has gotten. Uh, and one, another example of it is that they used to, up until like n- not very long ago, last few years, I think, Truckers kept logs, like the actual. They kept like actual, like like written logs written, of their yeah. their time on the road and how many miles they drove and all that. And to get around like laws and regulations, which we'll talk about in a minute, 
Um, they used erasers. They would. They would. <laughs> some of them would keep two books, uh, and okay. they called the one that they showed an inspector, which was doctored. They called it a comic book. Uh-huh. And the, uh, they, but they'd also keep a real one, which I didn't understand why they would keep a real one. But um, they, maybe to they, get paid. I guess so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you wouldn't mess around with the the truck company owner yeah. like that. That's true. Great idea. But they they can't do that anymore. <laughs> now it's all very much tracked and kept yeah. on tabs, and it's just a it, because of that a much different industry. It's also much safer, but it also has had an effect on their ability to make money. And I just touched upon like 10 things that we're going to talk about soon. So I say we should catch our breath and take a break. Let's do it. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Well, now when you're on the road... Driving in your truck, wanna learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck. It's stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. All right. 
Uh, hey, real quick before we dive in, um, we were talking about technology and um, people logging things. I had a recent, I'm going to tell the quick version, but a recent dispute with uh, Federal Express. Oh, yeah. Because they had a freight shipment delivery uh, delivered to my house and that was, you know, prepaid uh, by the shipper. Mm-hmm. And then they sent me a bill for a few hundred bucks after. And I was like, yeah, what is this? They do that a lot. Well, that's happened and, to us multiple times. Well, did they tell you what they told me, which was, hey, the trucker was there for like an hour and 20 minutes. And that's like what? long. They said that's the longer uh, charge or you get charged extra or whatever if it's over a certain amount of minutes for a certain amount of weight. And I was like, no, he wasn't. And we went back and found like video, doorbell camera stuff and text messages that like the guy was in and out of there or at least delivered in like seven or eight minutes. Oh, my and I was like, man, listen, man, shady. I, I was like, I don't know if your trucker was sitting out in the road for an extra 30 minutes. I don't remember that part. But, you know, here are the text messages that say, hey, the truck's here. The truck's gone. Yeah. Uh, and as of now, I don't even know if it's been resolved. They just but sort of ignored me after that. That's also apparently, so that's what's called um, detention time pay. Um, right. Where if you are a trucker and you're sitting around or you're doing the actual unloading, um, you are very often not paid for that time. You're paid for the time you're actually driving. That's mm-hmm. it, usually. Some companies pay detention time, but it's at a lower rate than your driving rate. But um, if there is like a, a built-in detention rate uh, into like a shipping contract, it's usually on the shipper uh, yeah. to pay it. The person sending the thing, it's part of the contract that if there's if you go over this grace period, it's often two hours where the trucker is just sitting there not driving and it's your fault because your dock or your warehouse is backed up. After two hours, you have to pay this this detention time rate. It sounds like FedEx tried to pass their detention time rate onto you, even though they shouldn't have even been paying it. So because you brought that up, I wasn't going to mm-hmm. say this. <laughs> we like we have a lot of stuff like delivered and FedEx has become awful Ugh. as a company, not as the drivers, nothing like that. We've not had sure. any problem with drivers or any delivery guys or anything like that. But as a company doing stuff like that, being impossible to get in touch with, just yeah. being they've really gone downhill from the FedEx that that you know, we we were brought up with like they the used Tom to Hanks crack. represented exactly and then he gets <laughs> lost and looked what happened well and just to put a button on this I don't want to go on and on about it but the initial charge was for like an hour and 15 or 20 minutes or something it was like mm-hmm. three or four hundred bucks and then they came back and said oh well we checked the closer in the logs and it was actually like a 17 minutes so it's really just eighty dollars mm. I was like I'm like, you know what? I'm not paying that even because that's not true. Yeah. But if I would have paid that to begin with, you would have ripped me off for 400 bucks. Right. Yeah. No, that's terrible. So how did it end? I don't know. They've ignored me since I sent in these text messages as proof. So for all I know, they're turning me over to like a a creditor. Yeah, that's really terrible. But Okay. I'm flush in the face. I'm going down. Hang in there, man. You need to keep everybody posted on your ongoing saga with FedEx, okay? Uh, all right, so let's get back to this. Um, I guess we can talk about the trucks like themselves because they used to be, I guess, prior to World War II, mostly short-haul trucks mm-hmm. and fairly Spartan uh, and basically of the same design. Thank you, uh, Mack Truck and Peterbilt and Kenworth Trucks Yeah, that, that really kind of figured out that early design and shape. Um, but these days, as we all know, and for a while now, 
you can get a, a pretty sweet sleeper cab situation going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I've mentioned this before on some episode, but I was obsessed with those when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. Because I love tiny, small spaces, and I could just, I didn't know what was in there. I'd never been able to look in. So and I was then like, what? what you did, you were like, whoa. I was like, what is it? Well, I finally did, because uh, uh, our buddy John Pendell, my friend, that always sees us in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. he was a, a regional trucker for a while, mm-hmm. and he f- showed me his his little sleeper cab. Nice. What did you think? a little bed and a TV and VCR. His was, you know, not like super luxe, but... I could see where they could get, you know, pretty gussied up. Yeah, some of them are basically they cut the midsection out of a very nice RV and then put it onto the back of a tractor, a semi-truck. Yeah. Like, it can get that nice. But I think by and large, not just because those are expensive, but because it also takes up space so you can carry less of a load and it's heavier so that you spend more in fuel— most people have that bunk, and it might be a nicer bunk than the one that Johnny had. I'm not uh-huh. throwing shade here. I'm just saying <laughs> there are some really nice fine. bunks out there. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, you know, more often the sleeper, uh, integrated sleeper is what they call it, where you're sleep, you're laying down right behind the chair, the seat. You know what's comfy is that seat. Yeah, it looks like it. I had never been in one, and John let me sit in it, of course. And it was, uh, they are very comfortable and supportive and and springy uh it was it was awesome they're very supportive they whisper things like you're doing great (laughs) you're driving great so um yes as far as i'm concerned just from the outside the sleeper cab is the most fascinating thing of the truck but there are some other cool things about them um something you wouldn't think about is when you have a truck it can only be a certain size and a certain weight um Mm -hmm. depending on the type of brakes you're using so they had to they had to invent like a completely new type of brakes. Actually, I should say they stole it from trains. Yeah. But for the same reason, they they took air brakes um, so that you could make the truck larger and allow it to carry heavier loads and still slow down very quickly, aka brake, um, using compressed air essentially. Yeah, uh, and there's also something called Jake brakes and exhaust braking. And uh, it's slightly confusing. We're not going to break it all down. But it, it basically means that you can slow that engine down without even using the brakes. So less wear on the brake pads, less wear on the tires. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of size, um, generally they're about 48 to 53 feet long, about 8.5 feet wide, 13.5 mm-hmm. feet tall, mm-hmm. without a load, about 10,000 pounds. And I believe the upper limit in the United States uh, loaded is 80,000 pounds. That's 400 tons. And I looked it up. There were four generators moved separately via truck from California to Utah that weighed 400 tons apiece. That's so big. That's That's enormous. That's so heavy, Chuck. Is that? (laughs) It's 17 (laughs) trillion billion ounces. Uh, If you, and we'll get into the, you know, whether or not you work for a company that gives you a truck or whether or not you're a, a freelance, uh, you know, devil-may-care, independent, I-don't-need-any-friends-anyway, uh, what do you call them, just an independent trucker? There's another name for them. No, I think they're uh, owner-operators. Is the yeah, owner-operators. Okay, yeah. That's what I was looking for. Uh, but if you are throwing down cash on just that, that you know, tractor part, that front part, uh, you can pay a couple hundred grand. You can pay more than that if you get the, you know, the super deluxe ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get them used, you know, 20, 30, 50, up to 150. Uh, but these things are an investment because 
It's not like a car. Uh, these these trucks are meant to go for, you know, eight nine hundred over a million miles so sometimes. Cool. Yeah, uh, and they say at about seven hundred thousand miles, maybe you should get that engine rebuilt. One of the other things about those engines is they've they are diesel engines. Like diesel is just they're bigger engines and they can haul more. They can yeah. accelerate using heavy loads faster. They're just better for that kind of thing. But the problem is, is diesel is so dirty. That if yeah. you have a diesel car or truck in a, um, a a state that requires emissions checks, they don't even bother with you because you have diesel because you're going to fail the emissions inspection. Um, in 2006, the EPA said enough is enough. We're going to try to do what we can with diesel. And they basically forced the industry to come up with ultra low sulfur diesel, which mm. really helps cut down on the greenhouse gases. And yet, despite that, between 2020 mm-hmm. and 1990, um, the amount of CO2 released by the trucking industry increased by 80%. Despite oh, wow. those gains in efficiency, they still, there's so many trucks out there now that, yeah. that they added an extra 80% of CO2. So electric semis just cannot come fast enough. Um, yeah. But yeah. It'll it, happen. It probably will, or it certainly will someday, but who knows exactly when is the question. Uh Speaking of electric and kind of cool stuff, I went back in January, I went to the boat show. Yeah. <laughs> which I had never been to a boat show. I've been to one car show in my life oh, with really? John Pendel. You've yeah. never been to a boat show? Aren't they fascinating? It's like the sleeper it was awesome. cab in a semi, but yeah. in a boat. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It's fun to look, you know, walk around on those like enormous boats that you would never get to, you know, ride on, much less buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's one company that was making, there's a lot of companies making some electric boats now. But there was one that made these, like, super-duper, like, old-school Chris Craft-looking boats, hmm. but but long, like, 25-footers that are all electric, that wow. are, it was like 350 grand. It was wow. one of the most beautiful machines I've ever seen. And I asked the guy, I was like, what it, what what does it sound like out there? And he went, all you hear is the water. <laughs> I was oh, like, oh, neat. man. I bet that's cool. He said, you can hear, like, you know, some sound, but he said it's it's basically like the sounds of water, not because that's one of the problems with those big boats is just like oh Rrr. yeah, that's all you hear. You can't talk or anything anyway, like that. Go uh, go go electric. Okay, <laughs> so um, that's pretty much the trucks. Like we said, there's a bunch of different types of trailers: flatbeds, refrigerator, like um, uh, low boys. I think is one because sure. you have all sorts of height regulations, weight restrictions. There's a lot. Um, that that is kind of laid over the trucking industry for good reason because you don't want a truck taking out a bridge when it drives under it. Mm-mm. No, um, but the the business as a whole, it's kind of fascinating in its own right too, if you ask me. Yeah, um, like we mentioned before, uh, just a minute ago. Sometimes you work for a company that will say, "Here's your truck. Here's your keys. We got our own fleet." that we'll maintain and we'll pay for and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Very rarely you will be earning a a base salary. Uh, It's exceedingly rare from what we found. It's it's generally a pay-by-the-mile gig, Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not you work for a company or if you're an independent owner-operator. But that is the other method. You can say, all right, I'm going to go buy my own thing or lease my own tractor. Uh, But then, you know, I'm my own business. I got to get these jobs. I got to track them down. I got to... Um, you know, figure out the scheduling of making sure that I can get another job on the heels for this one or ideally uh, a return trip from where I just uh, dropped something off. Right. 
there's a lot of figuring out to do. You got to pay your own expenses. You have to, I mean, you are a business. Um, that all comes out of your pocket and you got to figure out how to make that all work. Uh, and there are, it's not like the old days, like where you were just on the telephone trying to call and get routes or as we'll see, actually purchase routes mm-hmm. uh, from people, which was happening in the 70s. Uh, now they have like websites and apps and things where you can get hooked up with routes and it's uh, it's a lot easier now. Yeah. But I imagine that there's still a, quite a bit of work that goes into your scheduling and your planning and all that stuff. Yeah. And d- depending on how often you're willing to drive, how far you're willing to drive, how long you're willing to stay out, a trucker will typically stay away from home for four to six weeks. Yeah. Two at a minimum. I'm, from what I can understand, it's basically not worth going out for anything less than two for over-the-road truckers. And I don't know if we said at the outset, um, specifically over-the-road truckers or long-haul truckers, that's the one in the same term, um, mm-hmm. They uh, that describes truckers who drive to, uh, a minimum 250 miles. Below that is regional and short-haul trucking. That includes less than truckload trucking, which is like um, a delivery truck or delivery van, like FedEx. Yeah, yeah. my um, old across-the-street neighbor was an OTR trucker mm-hmm. and a uh, very nice guy, but we would, um, you know, sometimes that tractor was parked in his kind of front yard. Right. And many times, most times it wasn't, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a huge part of it is you're away from your family. Um, and you have to have a very patient, understanding family that is willing to be like, okay, see you in a month and a half um, while you're out on the road, you know, making money, especially if you're an owner-operator. That just sounds so stressful to me. Yeah, it's a, it's like any freelance gig. I imagine it's pretty stressful. But um, while I don't know this for sure, I imagine that you get, uh, like a lot of freelance gigs, you get hooked into sort of a regular thing. And it's not like, boy, I don't know if I'm going to have a route on next week, you know? Right. Like, you probably get these sort of regular routes and regular jobs as long as they last, of course. Um, but that's just me sort of speculating. But I bet that's the case. Well, they, they also now today, they've taken basically dating apps and turned them into um, apps that connect truckers to loads that need to be hauled. Mm-hmm. Um, one Swipe one way or the other. Exactly. One app is called 123 Load Board. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a, a bunch of other ones. So it's not it's gotten exponentially easier to find a load exactly where you, you know, are dropping one off. Because anytime you're driving around, like you said, you're deadheading without it, without a load, you're just you're just wasting money. Like you're you're not only wasting money, you're also wasting time away from your family, too. I'm sure that just hurts, you know. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking of the 13 different jokes I came up for uh, trucking app names. What? Can we hear any? None of them. Oh, okay. They're all dirty, <laughs> every single one of text them. Text them to me then, okay. Okay, sure. So uh, one of the other <laughs> things, too, is um, all the unpaid hours that they have to deal with. Uh, yeah. There's, like we said, there's that detention time, which is downtime, whether it's mm-hmm. government-enforced uh, downtime because there's regulations about how, how much you can drive over how much time period. Um, there's downtime where, you know, you're just going to pick up or deliver the load and they're backed up, so you have to yeah. sit there and wait. Sometimes I saw a day and a half once of where you're just sitting Ooh. there not getting paid. Yeah. Um, there's times where, you know, if you want to stop and eat, that's downtime too. And a lot yeah. of times you're just not paid for that at all. Apparently the Biden administration made getting better treatment for truckers like a priority 
Uh-huh. And one of those things was getting, like, basically getting rid of unpaid detention time. It's just so, on yeah. its face, unfair that it's it's just a, a flaw of the industry that's actually keeping a lot of people from from making a career of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like you said, there are a lot of reasons why you might be waiting around. And even though you may not be required to, like, help uh, even load and unload. Sometimes you're doing that just because you want to get on the road quicker mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you earn more money and you're, you know, you're away from home. You just want to get done. Um, speaking of the uh, regulations for hours, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, uh, these days uh, the, the limit is 11 hours behind the wheel, uh, 10 hours off. And because of that, and we heard, I remember emails from uh, trucker couples uh, a lot of people pair up to uh, do their trucking so they can kind of just go nonstop or, you know, almost nonstop and switch off driving. And a lot of these uh, are like actual couples, like, you know, uh, people that have gotten together and said, I would, I love you and you love me. Let's make a life together and let's drive this truck together. Yeah. It, unless you're married, it, I don't think it makes much sense economically because you're sharing whatever um, rate you're getting for the for the haul, right? Yeah, but you can you can drive twice as much. Yeah, but you're still so you're driving twice as much, but you get half of that. So it's the same I would think as driving alone. No. No. Cuz it's basically like if you're driving 11 hours and your wife's in another truck driving 11 hours, mm-hmm. you're doubling your money and that's essentially what you're doing cuz instead of having to wait that 11 hours, someone else is driving. So I don't It's like two two you're earning two wages in one truck. Yes, but okay. So to keep this from devolving into a crossword esque <laughs> conversation, I'm just going to oh. say like totally, I got gotcha. you. Um, but back on the re- on the regulations, you said that you can't drive for more than eleven hours before you need a ten hour off, like mandatory ten hours off to rest. That's right. That also takes place within a certain time. You can't stretch those ten hours beyond fourteen hours. So you you can't go fourteen hours without taking ten hours to rest, and then you can't drive more than seventy hours in a seven day week or eighty hours in an eight day week, and mm-hmm. you can't go beyond eight consecutive days of driving uh, unless you take thirty four hours off afterward, which resets everything. <laughs> Did you get all that? Sure. But I mean, think where's, about it. Where's like, my quiz? <laughs> you have to keep up with all of that. And not only oh, yeah. not only do you have to plan like where you're you're taking your load and picking up your next load and um, trying to figure out the best place to get fuel for the cheapest and yada, yada. You also have to figure out exactly when you're going to sleep strategically. You don't want yeah. to just be like, oh, man, I ran up against my wall. I've got to pull over here on the side of the road and sleep for 10 hours. You have to plan that kind of stuff. So not only are you working with logisticians. You're, you have to be a, a certain amount of a logistician yourself to drive a semi. Yeah. And you got to map out all those roadside attractions you got to see. <laughs> you want to see the biggest ball of aluminum foil? <laughs> you got to plan that kind of thing. Uh, all right. Let's take our second break. And uh, we got a lot more to talk about. There's a lot to do with trucking. And we'll start again in two minutes. <laughs> All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. 
That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Well, now when you're on the road... Driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's Stuff You Should Know. All right. Uh, All right, let's talk about CBs. Okay. Uh, We talked about them on our ham radio podcast, uh, and we'll get into the sort of the 70s CB craze here in a little bit, but uh, truckers um, still sometimes communicate by CB. There's a lot better technologies out there now. And a lot of truckers apparently say that the CB um, band has become, you know, pretty toxic. Uh, a lot of road ragers and mm-hmm. uh, people just sort of spouting off on their soapbox about things. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but apparently about a third of truckers still do use them uh, to check out, like, um, highway conditions and stuff like that. Or if they're on, a um, like, a team with other drivers, you know, for a company. Like an oversized uh, co- load? Yeah, yeah, to communicate with them. Um, but I imagine, you know, cell phones and stuff and apps have replaced a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like to the tune of about 70%. Uh, and then we need to talk about truck stops because these used to be ubiquitous and uh, it was a, you know, it was more than just a place to park and sleep. It was a respite, a place to socialize sometimes and get a shower, maybe play a little uh, video poker. Or backgammon. And backgammon and get a meal. 
but apparently the uh, a lot of big chains have bought up a lot of this uh, these independent truck stops, mm-hmm. and you know when that happens, a lot of times they will be uh, closed because maybe they aren't as busy as they should be, or the amenities are just not kept up like they should be because they're not taking individual pride as like their own little business, or they shave off a lot of the amenities too and pare them down. Yeah, exactly. So not only can you not get free overnight parking as much anymore, but, um, you know, uh, shipping lots and grocery store parking lots, you, you can't park there. So you're having to park, uh, pay to park and sleep at a lot of these now. And like you said, a lot of them now like don't even have the showers and stuff like that. But there there are some, I think the Travel Centers of America is one company that's still that's trying to promote like um, not only like hygiene and having good showers and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, fitness as well yeah. with their Stay Fit program, which has like medical clinics and fitness centers and stuff, which is a huge deal. Yeah. And the reason why you would want a fitness center is because of something the rest of us who don't drive trucks probably overlook. If you're in a semi and you're on a haul, say across country, you're mm-hmm. stuck to the highway. You're not allowed to get off the highway and go drive to the grocery store or go drive right. to the gym or go drive to get your, your rotten tooth fixed because it's driving you crazy. Like mm-hmm. you have to find a specific designated place to park, usually either a rest stop or um, a truck stop and say like take an Uber if you want or a Lyft um, less sinisterly. Um, that adds up. <laughs> yes, that adds up very quickly, too. So you don't normally do that. So you really do depend on truck stops to have all the stuff you need, laundry, showers, and then nicer things like a place to kind of like get some fitness or get some exercise or get a decent sit-down meal. And another problem that they're running into is that these truck stops are having fewer and fewer sit-down diners and replacing right. them more and more with fast food. So you have really limited choices in trying to take care of yourself. It's really hard to to stay fit and healthy as a trucker. You can do it, but you have to really try hard to do that. Yeah, and this is obviously if you're an owner-operator, it's on you to figure this out by either, you know, uh, hopefully planning stops near uh, like public parks maybe or walking trails or somewhere where you can get a little bit of exercise. Um, there are companies – that have their own fleets that are, uh, some are doing more than others. Uh, in this one article you sent, there's a company called Schneider mm-hmm. um, that has, I think right now, 40 uh, Schneider operating centers in the U.S. that have, you know, they're like 24-7, 365. They have showers and laundry and cafes and fitness rooms and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, that's a smart thing because if you're, even if it just comes down to financials, and, we, and we've talked about this stuff before, like the cost of healthcare to a company, if they let their employees, you know, you know, get diabetes mm-hmm. in their 40s or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that costs the company a lot of money in insurance. So it really behooves them to keep their truckers a little more fit and healthy and happy. Right. But if you're an owner operator, independent, they couldn't care less. Yeah. So just go ahead and eat whatever you want. And you don't need these fitness centers if you don't want them kind of thing. So um, there's one other thing that we overlook that's a big part of a truck stop, and that's a, a restroom, a bathroom. Yeah. And you might think, well, like, yeah, there's bathrooms everywhere. If you're a truck driver, you're usually not allowed to use the bathroom at the place where you pick up whatever you're hauling and drop off whatever you're hauling. Like, you, they just won't let you use the bathroom. And that's a huge issue, really? too. Yes. Uh. It's, an, it's an enormous issue. And, like, you might be sitting there for hours waiting to get loaded 
or unloaded, and they're just like, sorry, there's no bathroom here for you. And again, you can't go drive somewhere to the bathroom. Um, so that's another thing, again, that the Biden administration is taking on to make bathrooms, like to basically force through federal law, like grocery stores and um, distribution centers to let truckers use their bathroom if they want to. Yeah. Well, and not to get too, you know, like drill down on this, but if if you can't go to the bathroom as readily as you should, you're probably not hydrating like you should. Yeah, that's a big and one. And again, this this all leads to poor health. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad that uh, something's being done about some of this stuff. Yeah, because we're we're we and not really we, but we allow the people who are keeping the lifeblood of the economy yeah. going to be mistreated widely in their industry. Like the, yeah. their their companies mistreat them. Like in the whole industry as a whole is generally slanted toward squeezing as much as you can out of the trucker and giving as little as you can in return. Yeah. And you know what? Next time I get any kind of freight delivery or anything, I'm going to say, you got to pee? Oh, yeah. That's very nice of you. You're welcome to come in my house and uh, only pee pee. Please, no number twos. (laughs) (laughs) I want... I don't want that uh, Taco Bell laden number two. No, all I'm over with you. My, I think that's a, that's a fair line to draw for sure. Um, all right. Well, here comes sort of some more fun stuff because yeah. now we get to talk about the trucker chic craze <laughs> of the 1970s. Uh, and a lot of this is a great blog post from uh, a guy named Travis D mm-hmm. uh, in this blog, uh, Travelanche. And I even, let me look up the picture I took of Travis D's. Uh, claim to fame because Travis D says uh, that he is an author, comedian, critic, director, humorist, journalist, MC, performance artist, <laughs> playwright, producer, publicist, public speaker, songwriter, and variety booker. He put that in alphabetical order. Uh, Trav S. Oh, was it really? Mm-hmm. Uh, Trav S. D. So great job, whoever you are. Great jobs. Uh, yeah, great jobs because... He wrote this great blog post about, you know, stuff that you and I remember from when we were kids, mm-hmm. which was there was a fascination with truckers among kids for sure. Um, we all wanted that horn honked and we wanted to know what was in that little thing. <laughs> but I also remember very distinctly as a kid, like the playground talk, which is like, hey, you know, if you're a trucker, you can make like $100,000 a year, which that's still a really good salary. But in 1977, mm-hmm. That was a ton of money, and I remember trying to reconcile that, like, really? Like, this doesn't seem like, you know, a high-paying six-figure job, and that's amazing that you can make that money. Mm-hmm. And um, it was true, and we'll talk about how that's changed over the years, but uh, I think the salary back then in the 70s was like ninety-eight grand a year for the median salary. Yeah. That's gone way down, uh, but, you know, they, they hit hard times starting – uh, in the early 70s with the 1973 gas crisis mm-hmm. uh, when Congress said nobody can drive over 55, even you, Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Uh, and he said, but I I can't. <laughs> and they said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to. Uh-huh. And he says, well, just, you know, every cop that pulls me over is going to love me and not care anyway. You know who's going to love that joke? <laughs> Aaron. <Yeah. laughs> Aaron Hagar. I texted him yesterday, actually, because I was listening to... 5150, mm-hmm. while I was doing a big uh, building project. Such a great album. Uh, anyway, they passed that. Uh, that took a that put a big hit on long-distance truckers, obviously, because their whole bag was getting places fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was sort of what started the um, 
it was it was just in the news a lot. So people were aware of it more and their protests about it. And it, all of a sudden it was in songs and TV shows and movies that we're going to talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. And it just became more part of the pop- popular culture than it had ever been before in the history of the United States. Yeah, and I don't think anybody whose job or uh, um, uh, pursued it was to forecast trends projected right. <laughs> this. I think it was one of the more surprising trends that ever happened. Yeah. Even CB radios became part of, like, mainstream culture for, you know, and I talked a bit about this on ham radio. My dad had one. It, it became a thing that suburban families got <laughs> And this Travis D guy, and I think he's probably right, speculates it was for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that it was a wireless communication, which was, you know, even though it wasn't a cell phone, people were like, wow. Crazy. Yeah, totally. Um, but the thing with CBs is it was a pretty short-lived fascination with people like our parents because uh, you were sharing channels with other people. So it wasn't like having a cell phone. And so they quickly realized, like, you couldn't just get on there and talk to your your partner or spouse about, you know, uh, day-to-day stuff and errands you needed run. It wasn't for that. Mm-hmm. And then also all the all the CB speak. I think it was kind of fun for a minute for, for normies, <laughs> uh, civilians. And then pretty soon they were kind of like, eh, you know, this uh, I've, I've done it for like six months and now I'm kind of tired of it. So, yeah, everybody kind of scuttled CBs, but the – the trucker craze, I mean, it, like I said, it was in fashion. It Like, entire movies were written about it. <laughs> and the whole thing is really crazy. But if you dig into the origin of it, it's just like, what? Because the whole thing was rooted in a um, Omaha, Nebraska-based bread company's commercial jingle. That's where the trucker chic craze started. Yeah. I mean, ex- explain. You, you, that's that bears explanation because it's a pretty cool story. So it's a, there was old house or old home, sorry, old home bread company, and they hired a um, an advertising executive named Bill Freeze, and he wrote a jingle for an ad, like basically a minute long song for this ad. The whole ad was just this trucker singing and a waitress singing, and it was like a super trucker centric ad song. Yeah, and um, it was it just became dynamite in that area so much so that I saw that um, the local TV stations listed when the ad was going to play. That's so weird. Yeah, it is weird, but that's how crazy people were for the ad. And the jingle made it onto the Billboard charts, the top 100, not just country, the actual Billboard charts. So that kicked off the country craze. And Bill Freeze was so successful with it that Nashville actually came calling. Mm-hmm. And said, hey, you want to cut an album? So he basically adopted a persona, C.W. McCall. C.W. McCall was basically the center of the trucker chic craze. Wrote the song mm-hmm. Convoy, which was the most popular <clears throat> song in the trucker chic craze. And he was just some advertising exec pretending to be a country western trucker lover. It, it's amazing. Uh, the song Convoy, uh, the song was from 1975. Uh, number one of the pop and country charts. <laughs> and a convoy is, you know, like a, a line of trucks that was taken uh, from the Navy when ships would line up. But the, the idea was a bunch of trucks would line up like in a big long line mm-hmm. and the cops like they can do whatever they want because the cops can't pull over 30 trucks. Safety in numbers. 
safety in numbers, and a big wave of movie and TV shows followed. Uh, I think the first one that Travis D. mentions here is White Line Fever mm-hmm. uh, from 1975. But then, you know, you had Smoking the Bandit. Uh, Henry Fonda was in one called The Great Smoky Roadblock. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Demme, uh, the, the first sort of non-Roger Corman movie he directed, uh, was called Citizens uh, Band or Handle with Care. had a couple of titles. Uh, Chuck Norris's first, uh, one of his first big movies, and it wasn't even a martial arts thing, was Breaker Breaker. He was like, can I kick? They're like, no, just stand there. <laughs> you can kick that accelerator. <laughs> Uh, Convoy the movie based on this song or at least you know inspired by the song okay. came out a few years after in 78 Just don't, I don't want to let that walk by too easily they made a movie based on the song that was cr- recorded by C.W. McCall who was actually an advertising executive just really want to make sure that's driven home <laughs> yeah and that one I saw that when I was a kid on uh, I think a few years later on HBO but it was out of all these, you know, had a little bit of cred because it was a Sam Peckinpah movie. I know. Um, his his biggest movie ever, gross wise. Um, oh, was and then, it? Uh, yeah, biggest grossing. And then it had a great cast. It had Burt Young, of course, Chris Christopherson in the lead, uh, Seymour Cassell, Ali McGraw, Academy Award winner Ernest Borgnine. So that actually, I mean, of course, Henry Fonda and was legit, but sure. this one actually was critically. I don't think it was great, but it was better than the rest of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, BJ and the Bear, we've talked about before, uh, the short-lived TV show where it was a, a trucker and his monkey and his chimp. Yeah, don't forget Every Which Way But Loose and Every Which Way You Can, Clint Eastwood and his orangutan. Yeah, uh, Any Which Way You Can. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, and then, just like that, like Kaiser Sose just split in the scene, the trucker chic craze just disappeared. It just went away. That, that didn't fade out. It didn't um, do anything but just stop. And truckers went back to just being truckers again. But yeah, you know, all we got is uh, trucker hats now to show for exactly. it. Exactly. Um, so that was a huge thing in the 70s. It just still is mind boggling and kind of awesome. Um, but I, th- I think we should fast forward now to present day because trucking in the 70s and trucking today are essentially the same job, but the industry's changed so much that they're, it's unrecognizable how truckers are treated and respected. And what's really interesting is the best we could find, um, it all is rooted in a 1980 act passed by Jimmy Carter or yeah. his administration that deregulated. Jimmy Carter deregulated the trucking industry in order to take some of the, um, the uh, freight rate off of the American consumer to bring inflation down. And it worked. But what he did was he opened trucking up to competition. Like just anybody who wants to start a trucking company, come start one. And it led to a uh, what I saw described as a race to the bottom to cut truckers' wages to stay competitive. Yeah. What was um, what article was that from? Uh, I think it was a Business Insider article. Yeah, it was really good. Um, you know, they, they do a lot of statistics and – uh, from 77 to 87, the mean truck driver uh, average earnings, or I guess the mean, not the average, uh, declined 24%. And then from 1980 to today, I believe another uh, almost 36%. Uh, and like you said, it was it was about that act because from the 1930s till 1980, there was not a lot of laws passed in regard to um, uh, trucking at all. Uh, it was... 
Um, you, like we said, you could make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, union membership, the Teamsters Union, was very um, uh, stocked up and influential. Uh, and in 1974, there were more than 2 million uh, truckers mm-hmm. uh, in the Teamsters. Now there are 75,000, so that's a huge, huge drop. <laughs> um, and so they didn't have as much sway when Carter came along to deregulate and, you know, there's there's too much to get into on what was going on before 1980, but um, let's just say it, it was it was a lot harder to get licenses. It was a lot harder for uh, companies um, to, to start, like a new trucking company. Mm-hmm. Um, all those routes were way more locked down. Before deregulation, right? Yeah, yeah, pre-1980. Gotcha. And um, since then, it's just, uh, it, it's almost uh, the way the Business Insider, they interviewed a bunch of people. Um, the way they described it was it was um, it was almost a what word did they use some kind of competition uh, like free competition but like toxic or something I can't remember the word they used hmm. uh, but basically the the competitive atmosphere was um, I mean it was ultimately good for the consumer because prices did go down right. but it, it just devastated the the truckers themselves yeah and I don't think anybody including the truckers predicted that this was going to happen. Um, it's certainly, I don't think the Carter administration meant to do that to truckers, but that was definitely the outcome of it. And that's, I mean, that's largely where we are today. The trucking industry has kind of settled into this, you know, just pinch every single penny you possibly can. And one of the ways that they do it is by treating the their drivers not so great. Um, so that's a, that's not a great state to be in because there's a lot of turnover today. I saw one year, in one year, there's like 300,000 truckers that just stopped trucking. They just went off and did something else. And we actually have a trucker shortage right now, in part because of the low wages, bad treatment, uh, the services and amenities are drying up. And um, But there's enough people out there with valid commercial driver's licenses to make up for the trucker shortage and then some. It's just that's how bad the industry treats them and how bad their prospects are they're just like forget that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use this commercial driver's license any longer i'm gonna go do something else yeah oh here i found it actually uh, he called it destructive competition Mm. uh and this is a quote he said competition so severe that it undermines profitability to the point that it causes underinvestment by firms industry-wide inefficiency, market instability, and poor surface quality. Right. And then the other thing is like, well, just organize. If you've got, I saw anywhere from one and a half million to 500,000 to 2 million to 3 million truckers. I'm not quite sure. It's hard to drill down because there's so many different kinds of truckers to find just how many over-the-road truckers there are. Um, But it's not the same as like getting the band back together. There's like a whole new generation of truckers that were not raised to be union members. And Mm -hmm. Truckers in general are very independent, uh, very right-leaning typically, um, and are not necessarily prone to organize. I saw one trucker describe it as trying to organize anarchists. It's about mm, as easy as that. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, they're, they're, it's just the state that things are in right now. And a lot of people are like, well, is this, you know, like the death rattle of human trucking? Because right. coming down the pike— Literally coming down the turnpike, depending on where you're standing, um, there are driverless trucks, semis, that are now being tested on public roads. And they're actually, some of them are, are coming back with pretty promising results. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm certainly not calling for this, but it makes more sense in this industry more than it does driving around a city street. 
because the roads are very uniform. They're, you know, have stop signs and pedestrians and cross streets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's one where it's it's probably way easier to get a successful test run with an electric or I'm sorry, a self-driving well and electric truck on the highway than one driving around San Francisco. For sure. Which I've seen. Uh, And so they're kind of saying, like, if not, uh, it's not an if but when situation. Uh, And they may have just like uh, trains of these trucks with a real driver at the front, sort of leading a a convoy, almost said a pack, a convoy of driverless trucks. Kind of like Steve Doors today. Like, there's still some of them, but they're just basically controlling the automation now. Yeah. What do you, what were you saying? Kind of like who? Steve Doors. What is that? It's the, boss of the longshoremen, the actual workers, the one who's like the head, the foreman is a Steve door. Okay. You said that earlier and I pretended like I knew what you meant. So it's, it's uh, spelled exactly like it's pronounced too. Okay. And it's a word. <laughs> yeah. It's not a guy named Steve door. No, it's, it's S T E V E D O R E. And it is a, a specific type of longshoreman. Okay. Cause I thought, see, this is a good lesson. Everyone. You shouldn't just act like you know what someone's talking about because you don't want to look dumb. No, I think that's a great lesson. Look dumb and ask a question because I thought you were talking about a character from The Wire. That's what they call themselves in The Wire, Steve Doors. It's been a long time since I saw that season. That's where I learned how to pronounce it correctly, actually. (laughs) Oh, man. Instead of Stavadore. But you have to do it with a Baltimore accent, which I I don't even know what that is. So I guess the... The long and short of all this is no one's quite sure where the trucking industry is going, although there's some pretty good bets about the future. But in the meantime, regardless, if you see a trucker out there on the road, be extra nice to him. Give him one of those honk your horn kind of signs or a wave or anything like that, or maybe buy him a, a sit-down dinner at a diner at a truck stop you're at. Yeah. And if someone uh, in one of those trucks delivers something to your house, open your Steve door for them and let them pee. <laughs> Right? Yes. Since Chuck made a hilarious joke, everybody, that has obviously <laughs> triggered listener mail. Uh, this one's short and sweet. Uh, this is from Aubrey. Aubrey wrote in because uh, she says, during the recent Selects episode, uh, you were covering Terrasars, and Josh used the phrase batch in it. Mm-hmm. As in, like, being a bachelor? Uh-huh. You know, like like you and me went out of town, so I'm batching it for the weekend or whatever. I think I was saying we were batching it because Jerry wasn't around, probably. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Chuck ponders whether the phrase was new or not, and this phrase jogged a memory that I had in my bookshelf. Um, I've attached a photo from Laura Ingalls Wilder's The Long Winter, Neat. published in 1940, and she describes how her future husband and his brother, uh, brother-in-law were living in the back of their feed store in town with the word batching. <laughs> Uh, so in the very least, uh, the phrase was around in the 30s when she was writing the manuscripts. I just thought I'd share. Uh, I looked it up, or I didn't look it up. She included the photo. Mm-hmm. And it said, you know, who were busy, or no, who were batching it. No, it said they were batching in the rear room or something. <laughs> but the way, I, I needed more context because I couldn't tell if, because batching is also a verb, like you would batch for a business you know, you'd make a bunch like of different stuff together. at once. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't tell if it was used in that context or not, but I, I believe Aubrey. Uh, so that's what I'm not even going to look further. Have you ever even met Aubrey? <laughs> no, but Aubrey seems great. Um, Cause she goes on to say this, love your show. 
Life has been uh, pretty hectic for me lately, chasing my two-year-old twins around mm-hmm. and listening to Stuff You Should Know reduces my perceived stress. Uh, somehow you guys managed to be informative and calming simultaneously. So I believe Aubrey. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll believe you too, Aubrey. And just the phrase two-year-old twins made my neck muscles tense. <laughs> oh boy, me too. If you want to be like Aubrey and write in to let us know something that we were wondering about, we love that kind of stuff. Thanks again, Aubrey. Uh, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts my iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.